Go. <laughs> Go. Well, tell what? me. Tell me about the problem that you wish to address. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I have this fear of being buried alive in a box. <laughs> I just, I start thinking about being buried alive and I begin to panic. Has, has, has anyone ever, ever tried to, to bury you alive in a box? No. No, but truly thinking about it does make my life horrible. I mean, I can't go through tunnels or be in an elevator or in a house, anything boxy. So what, what you're saying is you're, uh, you're claustrophobic. Uh, yes. Yes, that's it. All right. Well, uh, let's go, Catherine. I'm, uh, I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in, into your life. Well, shall I uh, write them down? Well, it, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most we find most people can uh, can remember them. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yes. Okay. Here, here they are. Stop it! <laughs> I'm sorry. Stop it! Stop it! Yes. S T O P. New word. IT. So, what are you saying? <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. I, I, I say two simple words, and I cannot tell you the amount of people who say exactly the same thing you're saying. I mean, this, you know, this is not Yiddish, Catherine. This is English. Stop it. So, I should just stop it. There you go. I mean, you, 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 you don't want to go through life being scared of being buried alive in a box, do you? I mean, that... Sounds sounds <laughs> Good morning, Chair City Church. How are you? <laughs> Welcome to week four, the last week of our current teaching series, Fear. It's been a good time going through this. What are you afraid of? You know, do you suffer from thanatophobia? It's a fear of death. How about do you suffer from uh, plasophobia, fear of tombstones, somewhat related to that fear of death? claustrophobia, the fear of tight spaces, and taphophobia, the fear, the irrational fear of being buried alive in a box, right? So are you afraid of being buried alive in a box? And if you are, stop it! <laughs> so look, as we've been saying each week, uh, many of these phobias, you know, we could laugh at them, joke around about them, you know, chat about them openly, but these phobias aren't really, they don't make up our biggest fears, the ones that seem to be most disruptive in our lives. It's, it's those fears, these, these emotional fears that reside deep within each one of us that seem to be, that make life so much more difficult uh, to navigate, so much less than what God intended for us, in, in that they affect how we process all that's going on around us. Today we're going to talk about how to overcome the fear of losing control of your life. We're going to talk about how, and I do, I, I think there's a good number of us, you know, uh, that suffer from this. I, I, I'm wondering if perhaps this might be kind of a derivative of some of the other fears, like that fear of rejection, you know, where it, it stems from that. And so I think it does plague a lot of us, this fear of losing control. When we think about, you know, it's like, okay, what if, 
you know, I can't pay for their college. What if I can't pay for her wedding? What if she leaves me? What if they cut back and downsize and, and, and I get a decrease in pay or, or lose my job? What if, you know? What if is I have this fear of losing control of my life? I'm so worried. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 the scripture says this. When we talk about the scripture, we say the Bible. It's a book. I don't know what your perception of that book is, but let me tell you, uh, just from a fa factually, it's the most read book in the world last year, the year before, and for several hundred years. No other book in the history of the world has influenced lives like that book has. It's a phenomenal piece of literature. I, I do believe with all my heart it's, it's, it is of that because it's inspired by, the, by God himself, God's word. And, and the reason why it's so effective is because it speaks, that book was written to speak to God's creation, which is you and I. So 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of sound mind. Not fear, but power and love. Not timidity, but power and love. The truth is that right now in this moment, some of you are living in this place of fearing to lose control of your life or, or a good number of aspects of your life. And what that does is, what it produces is anxious thoughts, worrisome thoughts, a mind filled with anxiety, if you will, which, you know, if you have those thoughts and you feel anxious and you're gonna act out on that in more ways than you might think is evident in your life. You're living with what the Bible calls an anxious heart, a heavy heart. The scripture, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25, speaks to this. And it says, anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. A kind word cheers it up. God loves you. God is here today. God in his mercy has called you here today to hear his word. He's awakening you. He's calling you to something greater. I want to ask you a few questions in regards to the fear of losing control. Do you get shaken up or rattled a bit when things don't go as you planned? Hmm. Do you often worry about things that seemingly are beyond your control? Like, like really, I mean, you, you're so far disconnected from what's actually going on, the likelihood that it could actually affect you is so unreasonable, but you're just, you're just kind of really worrying about it. Do you often lose sleep over pressing issues? <laughs> and some of you might say, what's sleep, right? Is it hard for you to turn off your mind? Is it just continually churning, trying to figure out the next thing or what hasn't been figured out or what's been left undone? Does the unknown intimidate you? Do you often imagine the worst case scenario? I mean, like, you know, modern DVDs, Blu-rays, at the end, I've noticed they have, like, you can pick your own ending. There's different endings. And when you're playing things out in your head, do you have like four, five, or six different endings, but they're all negative, right? And they're all just stirring this anxiousness in you, like, because you know, you've got to control it. You've got to get ahead of it, right? Because of this way of thinking, the way you're perceiving relationships, you, you likely have a tendency to want to not just control life, but within the context of life, you want to control others around you. And this can harm relationships, meaning you, you, you have a kind of a tunnel vision, right? 
and you see your way because your way is the way you've now re- resigned to and, 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 and committed to because it's the way that's going to help you keep control of this. And in that way, you're unintentionally being inconsiderate to others, uh, meaning allowing them the sort of the right or the ability to be who they are because, you know, you've got to control it so you're hearing and seeing what you need to keep it together, right? To carry out what you've planned, what you know is good. And some of you are in relationships like that. You know, I live in a relationship with a very controlling person. Well, that's me. I mean, I am. I'm in that relationship, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I might allude to later on, I, I do wholeheartedly believe that I've, I've improved significantly in this area. And again, it's a derivative. Uh, I did it. I, for some reason, the second time I have a problem with saying derivative, and it's probably wrong again. So it derives from that fear of rejection. I do. I, I think it's a branch out of that, um, this fear of losing control of your life, huh? And again, I thank God for his mercy and for Christy and my kids, you know, about how I've progressed through the years in this area. You know, but here is the truth, and I've learned it. The Bible alludes to it, I think, indirectly, but it's there. I want you to hear this. You cannot control other people. I know, I know you think you can. I think you, you think maybe with power or manipulation or you can control others, but you, you can't. You cannot control other people. I'm not saying you shouldn't. You shouldn't, but I'm saying, fact, you cannot control other people. And, and today's a good day for you to step back and say, okay, since I can't and I shouldn't, I won't, right? I'm not going to control those around me. Today is also a wonderful day, sincerely, to think that God or dangerous steps that you would be in here today, that you would be able to have this moment, this pause in your life, that God, Holy Spirit, would come upon you and just bring within you, because, you know, even if you don't believe in God, and I don't know, where does thoughts like love and caring, and where do they come from, man? I believe it is that there's a spirit in you, and, and that's what speaks to your desire to consider others and care for others and want to have a relationship and relate to them. But you have some precious relationships around you, and maybe you've been, you know, you didn't mean anything malicious, but, but you've been trying to control them. You've, you've been attempting to control their lives. And, and maybe you've done a lot more harm than good. Yeah, highly likely you have. But today's a day that God ordained for you to have the courage to say, you know what, forgive me. That you're going to go home today, on the way home. Later on today, you're just going to turn to your, your children, your spouse, and you're going to say, you know what? I think that I could perceive that I could have been a controlling person. Well, you know what? How about ask them? You know, do you, do you think I'm a bit controlling? And if they say yes, just say, you know what? I'm glad we're having this conversation because I know that I'm, we're honoring God here. This is a beautiful thing. This is a God thing here. And can you just, can you forgive me for, for acting out that way? And, and, and I've done it. I've done it in my own home. And, and I believe wholeheartedly when you, we do that, we're honoring God. It's more than it was between me and Christy and me and the kids. It was between me and God, right? And, and, and I think you'll experience that as well. I, I was, I mean, in all sorts of different ways, you'd see it pan out. When my kids were being born, whoa. <laughs> I mean, we're talking like high fourth gear, fifth gear, controlling mode. You know, the night they were being born, wow. Justin was off the charts, story for another time. 
Uh, I got a little bit better when Jason and Janelle were born, but I kind of was still there, not as bad as Justin. And uh, so Chrissy gives birth to, the, to Jason and Janelle. I mean, she's done. She's like wiped out, can't stand, can't walk, passed out. She's finished, right? Which just leaves me just to me, which is uh, okay. It's my show now, you know? And um, so, you know, they have these baby, I call them carts, baby pans or something you put kids in. And, and uh, you know, and there are signs on them, you know, that say, you know, only one infant per cart. You're thinking, like, why do you even need to put that there? Like, who would, in their right mind, put two infants in there? Well, I would. And so, so and besides, they wanted to raise Jason's temperature. He was, his temp was a little bit low. So I took Janelle, and I put Janelle in the cart with Jason. I had these two little guys. <laughs> it was so adorable. They were in there. And then the other thing was they told us is do not leave the room with the cart. Okay, so I, I, I figured, well, that's what they say. I know what I want. I'm in control now. I'm going to drive this baby. I'm not hearing what anybody's saying. I'm not reading what anybody's saying. I'm in control. Dave's going to do what he thinks is best. Okay, so I, I, I take the cart with my two little ones, and I take it out into the hall. It, the, the building is constructed in a circular way. The maternity wing or ward, they call it, it it's circular. And so I'm kind of doing that little uh, Richard Petty, Mario Andretti, you know, and I'm making the engine noises, and I'm kind of flying through the hall. And, uh, and, and I almost lost control. You might say I lost control, where I, and I, but I didn't. I almost crashed into the wall, but I didn't hit the wall. I just, just kind of tipped it a bit, and, we, and I made the turn sharp. And uh, now here's the thing. And then what happens a short time after that, I mean, like, just probably 20, 30 feet, I happened to catch uh, in an, uh, an open doorway a couple that had just given birth to a child. They just had a child, and they were from the community. I knew them. I had ministered to them. So I went in there with my little ones, and all was good, right? I mean, I was in control. Things are great. I'm seeing people I know. I'm having a ball. Well, what I wasn't getting was that uh, when a child is born in a hospital, you might be familiar with this, they give them kind of a, a band, a, a bracelet of some sort. Usually, actually, it's on there. I think it's down at the ankle. And what it is is it's a mechanism that if somebody were to try to kidnap the child and take it out of that maternity ward or take it, you know, without authorization, it would set off a, an alarm. And uh, so I had two of those because I had two babies and they each one had on. So I was like, I was amped up and you know, unbeknownst to me, I wasn't thinking about that because I was in control. And so when I nearly hit the wall, turns out that happened right up about where one of those sensors are, right? And, and I didn't go past it, but I think because of the two bracelets and, and coming so close to it, it set it off. And, you know, and, and I don't remember hearing anything. All I know is I saw somebody, hey, I went in there to chat. You know me, I'm talking. Well, do you know when, when that thing gets set off, it's pandemonium. I heard like stuff going on in the hallways. I, I don't know, whatever. And they, they locked down the hospital. So they locked down the hospital. I'm in. Nobody can come in, not ambulances, not people. Nobody can go out. Cops just start shooting over to all the exits. Oh, wow. And... And finally, they see me, and there's like this collection of people, I mean, and they're cops and security guards. There he is, there he is. Because, of course, they've, they've ran into our room. They somehow know the room. They, go, they had previously rushed into the room, woke Christy up, like, where are your babies? Where are your babies? She's like, I, I don't know where my babies are. How come there's only one cart? What did you do with it? She's like, my husband, my husband. My husband was here. He's not here. She throws me under the bus, right? Right under the bus. 
Man, they, they were so upset with me. And I'm like, what's the problem? I, you know, like, because you'll do that if you're a, con- if you're a controlling person. If, and if you fear losing control, you've already justified all the reasoning for what you're going to do. So I'm like, hey, you all have a problem. I am absolutely fine here, okay? <laughs> so so the, the problem to everybody who had eyes and ears and a brain was this guy has got a problem with control, right? So, and here's the bottom line, and I... Say it in one way, I'll say it again. Listen, you are never, ever in control. That's for all of us. We are never in control. We might perceive we are, but we, in truth, are not. You are not in control now, and you will never be in this full control mode. Now, for some of you, you kind of controlling people, you're not listening to me because you need to be in control, right? You're you're filtering what I'm saying so you can kind of justify the way you've been conducting yourself. But as I said before, just go and turn to your spouse, to your kids. And honestly, even better, just have an open conversation with God. And I assure you, he's a faithful, living, and loving God, and he will speak truth to your heart about that. Now, we live under this illusion that if we do everything right, it's going to come out right. And if we plan this way, it's going to come out that way, and we've got it. And somehow that feeds the fear that's within us. And yet, it doesn't work that way, does it? Right? No way. And yet, sadly, so, sometimes, often, the things we love and, and desire the most are those, those things we try and control the most, or those persons we try and control. And what happens is this. So I said we, we cannot I say confidently, we cannot control people or life, but we think we can. We might say, oh, we know we can't, but if you really look and examine the way you're living out life, you think you can. And so you have, here you are with this thought of trying to keep it together, of controlling life, and here is the reality that you cannot do that. And the tension in between is what we call anxiety and worry and restlessness. And the Bible speaks to it as a heavy heart. In Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25, you know, the the scripture tells us this. I've lost my place. Well, the scripture talks about having that anxious heart, that heavy heart. And that's what it speaks to in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25. That when when you're living this tension, and really, Again, as I said in the beginning of of the message, you you might not know that. This might be the first time you've even entertained a thought that, am I living this way? Am I living in this tension, in this, of, and if I am, is my heart heavy with anxiousness and worrisome thoughts? And the scripture says what? It says the, the remedy to that is a kind word. And today I tell you again that God loves you so much. He's such a merciful God. His mercies are new every morning. That this morning, he's called you to him to hear this, to hear truth, to hear love, to hear direction, that the way you are going about it is so far short of what God has for you, who created you, who loves you, who delights in you who has given you the capacity to live in a way beyond feeling the need to have control. I assure you, matter of fact, he's created you not to be in control. He's created you to trust in him, that in your weakness he is strong, and that's so true. We see this over and over. 
I'm not telling you anything original. This has been read, practiced, lived out, exercised, and come to fruition hundreds of millions, billions of times. God loves you. God cares for you, and God is calling you to a greater place. Listen, so what do we do? How do we get our minds off this what-if fear? You know, what if I lose my job? What if the company doesn't do as good as I thought and planned it would do? Uh, what if he or she, you know, breaks off this relationship? Or what if, what if I think they like me, but it doesn't pan through? What if, what if, what if, what if? How do we get away from, how do we deal with that? Because, you know, you're saying, hey, Dave, you sa you've said, Dave, you alluded to that there are problems in this world and difficulties. Actually, Jesus said it himself, right? In Luke chapter 21, Jesus, and now he is speaking in context towards the end. He's talking to his followers, I believe. He's, I know he's speaking to us here today. And he's, he's kind of speaking to the ending of times in the seasons, the days leading up to the end of the world as we know it. And he's talking to them and he's mentioning about, you know, devastation and pain and suffering and, and persecution. And, and, and he, he speaks to them and, and he tells them what they need to do in order to deal with this, and particularly from an emotional um, aspect. And what he's telling them, I do believe, relates to all of life, that we can, and they could just apply it to how we all approach life in general. And very, Luke chapter 21, verse 14, Jesus says this, but make up your mind not to worry beforehand. But make up your mind not to worry beforehand. So, before you begin, so when you're looking at your daughter and you're envisioning, oh, one day she's going to get married, right? Just make up your mind not to go there. I don't want, I don't want to start thinking that, how am I going to pay for our wedding? Or her wedding isn't going to be this nice. Or you're looking at a child and, and, and you begin to now think, okay, how am I going to, you know, take care of this? Or, or how are they going to be seen in a good way? Or, or you're envisioning you're in a relationship and, and, you know, is this going to last? Is it going to keep going? Do I, do I need a backup slash exit plan? I mean, what are we doing? And Jesus says before all of that, before, just make up your mind not to worry about such things. We talked about at the beginning of this series that we thought it would be strategic and that we're coming into the holidays and it's kind of a intense uncomfortable time for many people because they're going to be interacting with people they haven't seen in a while, with uh, family members that there's some sort of difficulty there, just that they're in a place of comparison, uh, all this stuff. And we're saying, okay, what Jesus is telling you today is beforehand, before these holidays, before these get-togethers, just right now, make up your mind not to worry, not to be anxious. Examine yourself and be determined. I will not fear losing control in my life and in these situations. That God has this. And I'm trusting in God and I'm fixing my mind on Jesus, who's the author and the finisher of my faith. Now, I'm, I'm still learning this principle about, you know, not worrying beforehand and, and coming to that place of just settling in and knowing that and committing a situation to God. And I do, by the way, I commit situations. It's not like we don't go to default and say, yeah, no problem, God has it, we, we walk away. No, take the time to intentionally commit thoughts of how you see your child, of how you see your future, thoughts of coming into events and situations that, God, I'm, I'm committing this to you. I'm dedicating this to you. 
And right now, God, I am taking a hold of your promises. You're the same God yesterday, today, and forever. So, but, but, and I told you I've progressed in this area. As, as with my other challenges, I will battle these things and by God's mercy continually improve right to the very end. And at that point, I believe I would just say I have finished the race, right? My life has been poured out. I've served God and I've finished the race. And you, no less than me, can say the same thing. So, look, as I said, I'm prone to being a bit controlling. You hang around here long enough, you'll get a glimpse of it. Yesterday, we had our first ever trunk or treat event here at Cheer City Church. <laughs> so, you know, we really didn't know what to expect our first one. You know, if we have 50 people or 500 people, right? I know that's a pretty big range, but we, we don't know. You know, we prepare for, you know, as many people as we think would come, we do the best we can. And uh, everything was good. You know, our volunteers started coming about 3 o'clock, 3.30, and they're setting up, and they're chanting, and they're talking, and they're engaging one another. That's great. It's life. It's, what, it's one of the benefits of, of volunteering here at Chair City Church relationship. And then I'm, I'm playing the role where I'm helping clear out the parking lot in case we get, you know, you know, a good amount of people. And people are dropping their car. You know, people are going over to the ice skating rink, our volunteers, and I'm driving them back over here. Well, as I come now, it's about 4.45, and I'm coming out of the ice skating rink, and there it just happens. And I look, and I can't, and I see a line of cars. I see cars kind of like pouring into a parking lot. I see a line of cars backed up about maybe 10, 15 feet on Central Street, backing up traffic. I can't even get into the parking lot. I can't, you know, I'm like, oh, no. And right away, what if, oh no, what, what, if, what if the greeters aren't in place? Oh no, what, what, what if this, are the parking people doing what they need to do? Oh no, what, what if this, and oh no, what if that? Went right into what if mode. Now, I'm, I'm coming out of the ice skating rink. Remember, I've got a passenger because they've just parked their car. And I actually pause. I say, listen, for about two minutes, I'm going to kind of lose it. I said, so just, just so you know, it's coming now. Just hang in there. I said, it'll only be like two minutes and I'll come back and we'll be good. But just, just in advance, I apologize. And so I turn around, I, I get close enough to the sidewalk, I put the window down, I'm yelling instructions like 200 feet so the parking people can hear me. I finally get in, I come, I come to the lobby, I'm flying all over the place, getting a greeter, get, finding greeters, doing this, doing that. They, they're pretty much pretty organized already, but I'm in what-if mode, you know? I'm not seeing it, so I'm making an assumption, boom, 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 boom. You know? Those who haven't known me, they're like, oh, wow, that's Pastor Dave. <laughs> Those who know me, they're just smiling like, there he goes, you know? Jim actually comes over laughing. Not that he doesn't help me, but he's laughing, and, and, and he gives me a hug. He says, come here, I think you need a hug. But, and so, and you know, and in reality, I pause. I mean, truthfully, honestly, when I say reality, meaning this is, I'm, I'm articulating what I was going through. And I just say, you know, okay, uh, you know, we don't have this holy or that our moment where we like, it's just we have this moment of sincerity where God, where if we will just God, give God a, a speck, a speck of who we are, if we will just even begin to surrender a thread of who we are and consider him, my God, what he will do with that, how he will multiply that in our life and speak wisdom and comfort and sense to us. And I have this thought that says, you know, Dave, they have all done, meaning the volunteers, they have all given their best and they have done all work so hard. And Dave, you know what? You need to know this. What if, Dave, what if all goes well, Dave? 
Have you ever, what if all goes well? What, what if because everybody here has honored God with their time and their creative talents, with their finances, giving of candy, setting up things, all that? What if because of all that, Dave, this is going to go well and someone's life's going to be changed, Dave, huh? and it's going to be an incredible, wonderful event and it's going to be great? What if? What if that, huh? What if your child goes up and, and doesn't go to college and, and, and goes in a different path of life and just is fulfilled and glad and just knows that mom and dad or, you know, just love them and, and affirmed and care for them because they were productive and just hard work and had good character? What if? What if, you know what, she, she didn't leave you, and because she was so encouraging and affirming, rather be insecure and accusatory and flipping out and going crazy and so insecure, what if you were just this other person who was resting in the truth of God, and what if it worked out fantastic, right? Like, what, what if, you know what, that God is good and he loves you, and if he, in fact, has brought this person into your life, you know what, this is going to gel, right? I mean, you know, and he's going to give you the ability to see right and wrong. Uh, you're following me, right? What if, what, what if, let, let, let's have some good endings here today, huh? Let's choose godly good endings and mean that begin with trusting in God, letting him, you know, ordain our path as we acknowledge him, as he makes our path straight. So what if? Well, I'm going to tell you this, you know what? The next, what happened over the next hour, I honestly didn't expect. And being a controlling person, I, I often try and project and estimate and, you know, see how this is going to play out. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a great procrastinator, if that's the word, okay? And I'm pretty good when it comes to estimating as well. Well, you know what? Over the next hour, about a thousand people poured through this place. Yeah, <laughs> it was, you know? It was just, it was really overwhelming in a good sense. I mean, we were... And your team, your team of volunteers held it together so well. They did. They, I mean, honestly, they weren't, you know, they, they didn't show any signs of being afraid. They were friendly. They were welcoming. The comments I was hearing from people were like, wow, we had read about this church. We had heard about this church. It really is as good as it sounds. It's a special place, and these people are welcoming and friendly. And, and wow, you did that to us. The police officer was telling one person, wow, you know, you aren't charging anything? I mean, you know, don't you think you should make some donations? And we're like, no, we just, we're for our city. We love the people here. We care for people. We're a generous church. We just want to just do great things, right? And even the people themselves were like, you know, wow, this is so wonderful. You're doing all this and the way you're doing it. And, and so just, we're just glad you're here. We're glad we got to connect here and to relate with you, right? Because again, it's not about celebrating Halloween. It's about leveraging the culture. You hear what I'm saying, okay? It's about leveraging the culture. I want, listen. You were creative, you were sacrificial, you were friendly, you were welcoming. Later on that night, uh, we got some posts. And it's been going since last night, right through into today, we're getting these posts on our Facebook page. I want to read one of them to you. It says, thank you so much. Our kids had a great time, and our three-year-old was able to overcome her fear of people in costumes and took a picture with this wonderful woman dressed as Anna. She was so kind to my daughter. Thank you. How awesome is that, right? And what's wonderful about that is that that mom, that family, that three-year-old, when they think of church, they think of people who are warm and friendly and caring. They think of people who want to engage and relate to them. They think of people, that's what they think of more than anything else. Why? Because we're leveraging Halloween to reach the culture, to have moments like that, and that will resonate in them. Yes? Absolutely. 
our mission is to see people come to follow Jesus Christ, to help them. We have all thoughts of strategies and we'll do everything short of sin to try and make that mission happen. Later on, I got a, and by the way, the, the, the person doing that, what a wonderful thing for them to be involved in that. The person who's decided to trust in God and, and come and make, give up their time and be there. What a wonderful thing that they got to be, be engaged and be a part of that. Here's another one. Just wanted to say thank you for tonight, and I will be starting to go to your church tomorrow. How That's great. I mean, come on. <laughs> Listen. And you think, and, and a good number of the volunteers, by the way, are people that have been coming to Chair City Church for weeks, maybe, you know, a handful of months. That's just, it really made, I just would tell Chrissy, I was so in awe to see that. People that were different, you know, places in their life, but for the most part, I believe apart from God, God was not central in their life, you know, and here they are now, immersed in the things of God, right, serving God, building his kingdom, and connecting to other people. That was phenomenal for me to see that as a pastor, and it's so great because it means that we are accomplishing our mission, and lives are being changed, and people are getting better and better every day in every way on both sides of this equation. When you hear about the fear of losing control, and you begin to kind of, like a, like a meteorite coming into Earth, you know, and it, hits, and it hits the atmosphere, it starts to break up. And as I tell you, you have a problem. You fear losing control. You're a controlling person. It's like that meteorite. My words are coming towards you, and you are, you know, you are, are breaking them up. <laughs> so maybe just a little pebble hits you, think it comes off. Because you're thinking, Dave, look, there's difficulties, there's problems, and, and there's situations. And when I'm telling you, yeah, yeah, I get that, I know. Before I walk out of here, I'll have five problems and four difficulties, right? I'm not kidding you. And about eight of them are me and two of them everybody else. But whatever, I probably did the math bad. But you get what I'm saying. Okay. I don't know. I'm going to try and articulate this. All right. So when we are living in a kind of self-absorbed way, self-centered way, and that's maybe a harder way to describe when we are trying to control life. It's sort of what happens. We're, we're very, again, we got that tunnel vision. We're seeing what we see. We're hearing what we need to see to keep control. We're well-intended. We really feel what we're doing is the best way. We, we care passionately, and you do. You do care passionately about other people. God made you that way. I don't doubt your passion to care and to love. I'm telling you, you're just going about it in a way that is not what God intended. You're leaning on yourself instead of leaning into God. And so now what happens is you're just so used to difficulties really being overwhelming for you. You're, you're thinking of problems and suffering just being really beyond you. When you really pause and slow it down, you realize that you are so rattled to the core when you contemplate some of this stuff, some of these what-ifs. And so you got to instantaneously jump on it and pounce on it with some sort of a plan and a thought that's going to help you avoid that. So what happens is, honestly, you probably make it worse than better. Or you begin to take it in a direction that, at worst, it's going to really get out of hand at best. You'll muck it up for a while, and then you'll, by God's mercy, you'll bring it back on track. But, you know, some problems, some difficulties, more. In other words, a, bigger, a small problem becomes a big problem. But here's the other way. I hope I haven't gotten too far from where I was about serving and caring and being out there. Meaning about when you hear this give up control or stop the fear of losing control, that you're, you're, you're a little overwhelmed with this thought of, you know, how, how do I do it then? How do I go through life and how does this happen? Well, I'm just trying to give you some practicality and here's what it is. You see, when you're living outside yourself, 
When you're living for something greater than yourself and there's nothing greater than you than God, huh? when you're beginning to pour into others and consider them outside yourself, which is what God called us to, what Jesus called us to, you know what happens? Those difficulty and problems are there, but on the other side is a purpose. You know your life now has phenomenal purpose. To the degree of your faith is to the degree that you realize you have great purpose. And that somehow now will enable you to just see through those problems and difficulties and see the hand of God and see the, under, the other end of it in a better way and entertain hope and greater possibilities and greater endings. You, you follow me? Because you have now, it's, it, you have this purpose and you have meaning. And so the purpose and the meaning dilutes and diffuses the, the anticipated pain and expectation of pain and suffering from the problems that I lose you. Yes or no? Okay, good. Help me out here. I just keep going. I'm, uh, my point is I just want to speak to you practically as well as spiritually here that this really does make sense for you. Look what Jesus said. Matthew chapter 6, verse 27. Can any of you by worrying Add a single hour to your life. An anxious heart weighs a person down. The dwelling on the what-ifs in, in a fearful way weighs you down. Listen, here's what I've seen in life. That when you apply faith to your fear and you break through that wall of fear, you see the provisions and the blessings of God on the other side. You really do. We call it breakthrough. Even today, right now, if you begin to say, you know what, I'm not going to live with a fear of losing control of my life, even as you begin to commit to that, you are breaking through that wall of fear with your faith. You're replacing your fear with your faith, and you're breaking through, and you right now need to know that you are upon. Not that you're going to get there. The, reason, the very reason why you're doing that is because you already are beginning to live in the blessings of God. Do you hear me? Huh? You are already beginning to tap into the resources and the provisions that God speaks to us about in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in him and lean on him, and he will make your path straight, and he will take you right through that wall of fear. So you want to have faith, faith in God, faith in what Jesus did for you on the cross, that he gave his life. He died for your sins to make you right with God so that you don't have to go through life thinking, I have to control everything and everyone that there's so much more to life, that because Jesus conquered the grave, he speaks and lived and, and, and gave you hope, hope for eternal life, hope that death cannot hold you down, hope that there's a spirit in you that, that, that will be resurrected, and that same spirit is your communion to God and, your, and enables you to be sensitive and care and to love all, you know, this, this world around you and especially those God has placed in your path. Today, replace fear with faith. Isaiah chapter 20. Here's what the Bible says about God. We go towards closing. Isaiah chapter 26 verse 3 says, You, God, will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all those whose thoughts are fixed on you. That's what God is to you today. When you decide, I'm not going to turn around and control my life. I'm not going to try and I'm not going to live in this fear of control. Faith brings peace. Worry brings turmoil. Faith draws you closer to God. Faith distances you, creates barriers between you and God. George Mueller said it this way, the beginning of anxiety is the ending of faith. And the beginning of true faith is the beginning of the end of anxiety. Wow. 
So, Dave, how do, how do we deal with it? How do we wrap our arms around this? How do we deal with this head-on, this giving up, the, giving up living from a way of fear of controlling things? Peter, St. Peter, the Apostle Peter, said this, We cast all our cares upon the Lord because he cares for us. Paul said it this way in Philippians chapter 4, 4 verse 6 through 7. I, I just treasure the verse. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Pray, meaning talk to God, speak to God, have an open and honest and intimate conversation with God about that situation, that relationship. It says, tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Thank him. You know, I challenge you to be angry, to be disturbed, to be anxious, to be overwhelmed in, when, you're, when you're thanking God. I, it, I think it's impossible to do. If you are immersed in thanking God, huh? truly to the point of where you just feel physio- in a physiological way, you, you feel yourself moved, you, you sense that you're being stirred, your spirit, meaning you're just dwelling in that place of thanksgiving. What are you doing? You're recognizing God for what he's done in your life, for who he is. It's going to be very hard then at that point to be in control. It's going to be very hard for your mind, your mind and heart to be heavy, filled with thoughts of anxiety and worry. Thank God for all he has done. Verse 7, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Listen, today you and I, let's stop looking at what ifs with the negative endings, and instead let's start looking to God's promises of peace and of comfort and of joy in our life. Let's live for Jesus. Let's live in Jesus. Last night, you know, Christian and I, it hasn't really settled in yet. A thousand people came into this building and connected with the church of Jesus Christ, right? With the people of Jesus Christ. That's phenomenal. It's an amazing thing. And they were here because people were living for Jesus and living in Jesus, right? That's what made that happen. Even if you weren't here, you give, you contribute, you serve in other ways. We, as a body of Christ, we came together in all different facets, and we shine like stars in the the universe in a crooked and depraved generation. Yes? That's why that little girl overcame her fears, huh? You know? Because you were living in and for Jesus, huh? When we do that, when we live in Jesus, that literally will just consume our fears. It will just squash your fear, the fear of losing control. It'll move you away from that place of being self-absorbed and kind of centered on yourself, although you really have this passion to love others. Matter of fact, you'd probably die for them if you had to. You'll no longer live outside yourself, but you'll live inside yourself, but you'll be living outside yourself for a greater purpose. Listen, we can be right with God today. We can know the truth that we don't have to live from a place of fearing, losing control because of what Jesus Christ did for us. He died for our sins, meaning when we were not, the Bible says that God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were still sinning, 
Jesus died for us. Not because we did really good. And he said, okay, you did good. I'm going to die for you. He said, no, you're going you're to mess this up. You're going to turn for me. You're going to do things against me. But I love you so much because I created you. And I want you to be with me in eternity. And I got this. Meaning, I got this. I'm in control. It's my plan. I created you. I got this. That today we can be right with God and we can live in God's plan. As we turn to God and we, 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 we just say to Jesus, I will follow you today. I'm, I, wanna, I no longer want to fear losing control. I don't want to take control. I want God, I want to now, right now, today in this moment, for the sake of my salvation, for the sake of my relationships with people around me, for the, for the sake of, of, of my life, oh God, I just want to give up this controlling mindset, and I want to trust in you, Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. I thank you, oh God, for forgiving me for my sins. Jesus, for dying on the cross and making a way for me. It is no longer about me now, oh God, it is all about you. If, as I've said these words, they have connected to you and you are having this similar conversation with God, or as I turn this over to the, to the worship team or the band, however you like to refer to them, <laughs> as we do that and you're having this conversation with God about turning to him, if that's you, we have what we call a connection card. Christy referred to it, and it says, my next steps. And, and the bottom, underneath there, you're going to see two lines. One of them says, well, they both say in different ways, you're starting a new relationship with Jesus. One is new and one is you're renewing. And what that's saying is, you know what? No more. No more. I, I've kicked this Christian thing around for 10, 15, 20, 30 years. And you know what? It, it, I, I am. I, I've been... I thank God I stopped doing this. I bettered my way in this area. I've gotten so much better, but I'm still, I'm, I'm controlling. I'm afraid of losing control, but not today. Today, I surrender to God. I turn it over to my Heavenly Father. I'm not going to live this way. And man, if this is the first time you've come into church in a long time and you're just considering the things of God and you feel stirred, what I say to you is that this is not anything other than the one true God who's awakened you of your need for Him. And he's drawing you closer to him today. He is calling you to him today. It is a spirit in you that he's reaching out to. And today you want to yield to that. You truly want to just surrender to it and, just, and, and really just rest in that when we say surrender and trust in that. And you want to turn to Jesus today. You want to check that box off. I've started a new relationship with Jesus, either one of you. And you want to bring the card to the guest services table and they'll give you a package and it's got some information to, to get you going. Uh, God bless you. To God be the glory.